For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, 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 what up, what up, though? It's your boy Reggie Watkins. You're listening to I'm Probably Right. My man Kevin Cleveland's running the boards, engineering, producing. Kevin, what up? Yo, Reggie. Oh, man, it's good to be back. Good to be back. Had a great sports weekend. Had a, had a little anxiety this weekend. Um... I booked a job on an upcoming TV show. You know what I mean? Everybody listen to the show. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody that listens to the show knows I'm an actor. That is my trade, my profession. Uh, booked a role on a TV show coming up soon. And so I had to get a COVID test to um, to be able to go to work. I have to get a fitting on Tuesday. So I had to get a COVID test on Sunday, which means, uh, Kevin, I don't know if I talked. I think I talked to you about this last week. I was supposed to go to Arizona this week to see the Niners play Arizona. Good thing I didn't go because that game was atrocious. Uh, I, I wondered if you went or not. Yeah, no, I couldn't go because I had to get COVID tested on Sunday, right? And so I got my COVID test on Sunday, and I still have not gotten my results, Kevin. Like, I'm anxious as hell because I was sick this weekend. And, you know, the crazy thing about COVID now is anytime we get sick, everybody thinks it's COVID. Like, I don't even think about – I forgot that there's such a thing as a common cold. I have forgotten that. You sneeze, you cough. It's like, oh, man. It's he's COVID. Got, he's got the COVID. He's got the, he's got the vid. He's got the vid. And, <laughs> right? And so I still haven't got my results. So I'm still anxious. Like, man, we have to get this negative test so I can take my butt to the set and get to work and do all this stuff because it is going to be a great show. It's a show I've wanted to be on for a long time. Uh, but this week, man. Great. Um, well, you know what? Hold up. We still didn't do our, our break music. So <laughs> I'm going to talk about some subjects. This is what we do every week. I say some things. I talk about things that mattered from the week before and this weekend in sports. And we're going to talk about John Gruden at the end of all that. But first up. Oh, man. This is one of the, the sports weekends. Um, you don't get weekends like this in sports generally right this is like one of the greatest sports weekends i've seen in a long time uh i was i was under the weather so fortunately i was able to sit home and not do anything and have an excuse to not do anything my wife let me just lay on the couch lay in the bed and watch sports all day and, and do what i wanted to do um it was phenomenal. We had great games. Not to mention my son played a basketball game uh, where they won, and he looked you know, really good. Got some things to work on always, but my son looked really good in his basketball game this weekend, so I was proud of that. Uh, but there were some great college games, Kevin. Do you watch college football? I do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting because there could be a lot of quick plays and a lot of fast scoring. Yeah, it's it's and it, it's just I mean just the pageantry of you know uh, I went to this school we have a rival this and that and the the crowd is always so much more into it than I mean NFL has its loyalties but college you got the loyalty that's a lot different because people spent six figures to go there you know <laughs> and what I'm I saying? learned about the original twelfth man 
<laughs> oh, at Texas A and M. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Which let's oh, talk about that. Okay, so Texas A and M beat Alabama, number one in the country, Alabama, right? Um, and uh, yeah. Oh man. And so we talked about this a couple weeks ago because I, I think I just touched on it a couple of weeks ago. Texas A and M came into the season ranked fifth. Uh, in the preseason poll, and I watched them play a game, and I had no idea why the hell they were ranked fifth because they looked god-awful. Like, they could not run. They couldn't throw the ball. They couldn't do anything. They had a defense, but that was it. And so they get to Alabama, and they're not even um, – I think they were – they might have been ranked like 20-some-odd, 20-some-odd, or just outside the top 25. And they beat Alabama. They beat Alabama. It was a – they were up on Alabama at halftime, right? Alabama had to come back. Alabama took the lead. They tied it up. Then Texas A&M scored. Like, it was a great game. Uh, just fireworks all over the place. But the thing I left thinking about this game was college football just there, – there is no – I think Alabama still is the best team in college football. But their lack of that guy at quarterback – Right, they got Bryce Young, and he's a good quarterback. He's cool, good. I think he got all that money from the NIL name, image, likeness. But there isn't really that guy in college this year that everybody's looking at as that's going to be the number one overall pick, right? Because that's what kind of fuels college football is having stars that we can follow who are going to go to the next level, and we got a story to tell about them. Alabama is a story to themselves, but it kind of feels like the old Nick Saban teams where they run, play great defense, and then they got a quarterback who's pretty good, but not great. Like when they got Tua, that changed everything because they had a dude who could throw the ball all over the field and make plays. And they had this lights out defense and the best running backs in the nation. And then they followed him up with Mac Jones, who could throw the ball all over the field, had a great running game and had lights out defense. And that's how they just killed everybody. But this year they're missing that element at quarterback. And, it makes for a, 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 a for parody in the college football game, but we're kind of used to seeing Alabama just throttle and just be the dominant force. So that's what I took away from that game. I'm interested to see how they bounce back because I still think they could win the SEC, right? I think Georgia versus Alabama, if they get to the SEC championship, is going to be a phenomenal game. Although I think Alabama is still head and shoulders better than Georgia. Because I watched Georgia this weekend too, and they got their quarterback Stetson Bennett the fourth. When you got that many damn names, it's just impossible to be good <laughs> at a great quarterback. He's just average. He's okay. Georgia is winning in, in spite of him. Um, so I, I, I like Alabama. I still think they're the best college football team in the country. But the best game of the weekend was Oklahoma versus Texas in the Red River shootout. Uh, it was the game was I believe it was in Austin game was in Austin and this game started out listen to me Texas was up 28 to 7 after the first quarter right 28 to 7 at the first quarter then they lead 38 to 20 at halftime Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley have this quarterback Spencer Rattler Spencer Rattler who was supposed to be he was picked to be everybody's number one overall pick coming out of college, right? He was going to be the number one overall draft pick as a quarterback. He's projected to win the Heisman preseason favorite, right? And he ends up getting benched after last week, the Oklahoma fans chanting for Caleb Williams, who's the backup and a five-star freshman to come in for Spencer Rattler because he hasn't been playing well. This week, he gets there. Spencer Rattler isn't playing well. They bench him, bring in Caleb Williams, and Oklahoma comes back to win this game 55-48. to 
55 to 48 after being down 21 in the first quarter and then 18 at the half. And the only person to blame is Steve Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian, who keeps getting job after job after job for whatever reason, I do not know how he became the head coach. And you could go back and Google Steve Sarkeesian and figure out why he shouldn't be getting these jobs because he has a little problem of doing things that are against the law. But he keeps getting jobs and keeps getting hired. He has, Texas has a Heisman candidate running back, okay? They have arguably the best running back in the nation. So when you are up 38 to 20 at halftime, what might a good coach want to do? Run the football. Eat the clock so that the other team gets less chances to come back and beat you. Does Steve Sarkeesian do this? No, he does not. The Heisman candidate running back, who had 137 yards on the day off of 20 carries, that's all he got. 20 carries. Why not give that guy 30? Why not spread the ball out to some other running backs and just use your punter, use your kicking game? Instead, Steve Steve Sarkeesian is passing the ball around like he's got Peyton Manning back there. And he's got a good good little little quarterback. I think it's C.J. Thompson. Dude is good. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not going to be the number one overall draft pick. He's a good quarterback. Why are you throwing the ball all over the field? I'll never understand this. And then I'm arguing with people on Twitter, and I'm arguing with people on Instagram, and they're like, well, you're running the ball. They couldn't really get first downs, and so it's just it's just pointless to keep running. And that's the problem with these new sports people and young people in general. If something doesn't go right right away, they want to jump ship and abandon it. The same way I was talking about the Cowboys in week one versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when Dak Prescott is throwing the ball 58 times and Cowboy fans are telling me, well, they can't run, but they didn't even try. Yeah, but if they try, they're going to get stopped. You got to try. You have to try. Football is about dominating the line of scrimmage. Texas needed to run the ball, establish their line of scrimmage. That sets the tone for the entire team. The entire team sees we are dominating this football. We're going to run it down their throats. They win that game. Instead, Oklahoma comes back, beats them, and now they have a a, a problem, right? Because fans are never going to forget this. They're not going to forget this. Steve Sarkeesian blew their chance to win this game. And this is their rivalry game. And on the other side of the field, Oklahoma has a problem because this Spencer Rattler dude, I didn't even know who he was. But all of a sudden after this, all these clips are starting to come up and I'm finding out this dude was some quarterback. He was some star high school player on some Netflix show called QB1. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, Kevin, but like they document these high school quarterbacks every season. I guess Justin Fields was one of them. Uh, Spencer Rattler was one. And I'm watching these clips and they're showing me a clip where Spencer Rattler is yelling at practice and saying that his receivers suck. Not quietly, yelling it to the entire team, to the receivers who can hear him, and then he's berating another quarterback that he's on the team with, saying that he's soft and he's trash. How did Oklahoma ever even recruit this kid? I would have ran for, there's no way I would have brought this guy into my program. He's, he's, he was destined to fail right away. Everybody who is watching this show, QB1, is watching and saying, I never want to play with that kid in my life, ever. There are receivers who watch that show. There are offensive linemen. There are defensive linemen. There are DBs. There are linebackers. Everybody's watching that show thinking, I never want to play with him, and if I do play against him, I'm going to crack him. 
And so this dude gets recruited to Oklahoma by Lincoln Riley, who's thought of to be this great genius of an offensive play caller and offensive mind. But that's not a good judgment of people. And not to say that he's not a good person because he's a young kid who's boisterous and, and, and too damn cocky. But you don't bring that into your locker room at a high touted pro at a high high program like this you just can't do that because you know he is not going to succeed there it's almost impossible and what we're seeing is him unra- his unraveling right now the fans were chanting for the backup he got benched now what's he going to do he can't stay at Oklahoma maybe his his ego is not going to allow for that he's going to be on campus people are going to be talking trash to him calling for his head saying he sucks yada 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 that kid's moving on so that was a waste of of two years two to three years of his time at Oklahoma it's a waste of Oklahoma's time to have him there lose 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 but the dude who came in is a beast, Caleb Williams. And Texas has a receiver. This dude worthy. He's a true freshman. And I hate that for him because if people don't understand the rules of the NCAA and the NFL, uh, you cannot leave for the NFL draft until you are three years removed from your high school graduation. So that means you have to be after your junior year in college or your redshirt sophomore year in college that you can go to the NFL. So Texas gets three years of this young man playing and balling for free. Sucks, but... That is the game. That's how it goes. Uh, we also had a great football game. Uh, Chargers and the Browns. Man. Woo. Kevin, I, uh, are you a gambler, Kevin? I am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Kindred spirit here. Kindred spirit. Okay. So, Kevin, I had a 10-pick parlay that I had going, right? Um, and I took the – because this is, this is the thing. And we talked about this with my boy Brad Smith a couple weeks ago. Uh, you take the money line or – you take the points yep. when it's three or less, okay? Because if it goes a little bit higher than that, you get into tricky situations. But most of the time, NFL games are going to come down to three or more, three or more points, or the other team is going to are going to win. It's rare you get that one point victory or the two point victory. It's usually three or more. So you stay in that 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 range from one to three is what you want, right? Um, so I took the uh, the Chargers minus two. And they tried to give it away all day. They tried to give it away <laughs> they did all day, all day. But, man, what I came away from that game is Justin Herbert is that dude, and Baker Mayfield is not. That's just what I saw in that game. Dude, Brandon Staley, the coach of the Chargers, he either trusts Justin Herbert more than anybody trusts anybody in the world, or that dude just loves going for it on fourth down. Because they were going for it on fourth and five, fourth and seven, fourth and ten, and I've never seen anything like this. And converting. And converting, because why? Justin Herbert is that dude. And then, and then, you, and, 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 and he's so good. And the thing about him is, you just... That dude stands in the pocket. He's a big dude. He's mobile. He is so accurate. I don't I've his accuracy is on another level. And with that kind of accuracy, his accuracy reminds me of Tom Brady. He's that accurate and his willingness to stand there and get hit and not flinch. You don't see that that often from dudes anymore and that dude is a throwback, man. Like I honestly have him now. I think it's I think it's Mahomes, him and Rodgers as the three best quarterbacks in the NFL and who I would take. And I'm only not putting Brady in there because he's old as hell, right? Like the other three guys, I've got to take them first. And Rodgers is getting up there, but Brady is older. Um, But 
I, I think this dude is, he's head and shoulders above the next class of people. And Josh Allen looked pretty good this past weekend as well. I'm still not ready to put him up in there, but he had a great game this weekend against Kansas City. But back to Baker Mayfield. We talked about it last week. Again, you cannot have this guy the number one overall pick. They drafted him number one overall, and they win in spite of him. He's not going to do it for you. And the most, and the biggest indictment on Baker Mayfield is you've got possibly the best receiver in football in Odell Beckham Jr. And his name, like I said last week, should be Odell Blocking Jr. when he's on this team because he gets no targets. He caught two passes yesterday in a game where the Cleveland Browns scored 42 points. What is going on here? Something is going on. Something isn't right. And the problem is Baker Mayfield. And the problem that the Browns are going to have, like I said before, is they're going to pay that dude. Because why? Where are they going to get another quarterback as good as him to keep this team that's already playoff bound, ready, in contention? They're stuck. The Browns are stuck. Unless they can find a way to get a great quarterback out of out of thin air. If they can find a way to get Deshaun Watson out of, out of Houston, if he's able to play, and he is able to play because he's not under any kind of uh, law order or any court order, anything like that. It's just a weird situation that we don't know what's going on. But they, they're stuck, man. They're stuck with Baker Mayfield, or they got to find a way to get somebody amazing. Kevin, can you imagine if they got Deshaun Watson or, 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 or Aaron Rodgers? If they were able to get Aaron Rodgers to Cleveland, because I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is going to like being in Cleveland because I don't know who likes being in who Cleveland. Does. <laughs> but if they were able to get that done, oh my God, that team, Super Bowl, immediately, Super Bowl. And Odell Beckham Jr. is back to being one of the best receivers in the NFL. But those are just some of the things I saw this weekend that were amazing to me. Coming up next, we're going to talk about Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder 3. Back after the break. So I bit the bullet this weekend, Kevin, and I bought the Fury Wilder three fight. Nice. Are you are you uh, are you a fan of boxing? We talked about this. You're, we are talking about this. Remember, yeah. I can't figure out why I don't like boxing because I like violent sports, but <laughs> for some reason, boxing is not one of them. But uh, I, I I look forward to your tale here. Dude, I love boxing. My wife was surprised that I wanted to get this fight. She was like, well, you're going to get the fight. She thought it was UFC. I'm not a fan of UFC per se because I don't know these guys. I don't follow it like that. But boxing, I would totally watch that because it's, it's just the one thing you can watch and see people's discipline, class, and power all, all on stage at one time, right? It's You get to see the will, the class, the discipline, the training of somebody uh, you know, just out outwork somebody else. And so I had to see this fight, even though the first two went for Fury, right? I'm not I'm not a fan of either or. It doesn't matter. Even though you know me, Kevin, I'm always rooting for anybody black. But this time I didn't really give a damn, right? It's just like I wanted to see the best fight and I mean it, it cost me $80. So I was like, man, this better be a good damn fight. But whenever you buy the fight, you always have a little bit of you that's thinking that you're gonna get Tysoned. Right. You think that you're going to buy this fight and it's going to be over in the first round. and You're going to be mad as hell that you spent that money and didn't get the return that you were expecting. So the fight. OK, it's just to set it up. Right. Fury Wilder happened the first time. Uh, Fury beat him in a decision. The second time uh, Fury, I believe, knocked him out. 
And then so this fight is coming up because they had a, they had a, a rematch clause for a third fight and whatever. And you're thinking that, you know, some people are thinking, man, Wilder's got to learn from this one. He, he's been in there working and doing whatever. He's coming in bigger. He got heavier. He got up to 240 when he usually fights at, at 215, right? So he came to 240. 25 pounds heavier and to some people they think oh you just put on some some muscle yeah but when you put on muscle up top man you gotta make sure you got muscle down low to handle that and it looks like wilder ain't seen a leg day in years okay <laughs> his legs look young very young and tyson i mean tyson fury went up to 280 okay he went from i think he, he his, his fighting weight before was 255 260 he went up to 280 for this fight and they got into the ring, and immediately when Tyson Fury got into the ring, you know who he looked like to me, Kevin? Do you remember Mike Tyson's punch out? Of course. My, one of my favorite. King games. Hippo. Yep, yep. King Hippo. King Hippo. Yep. King Hippo. Tyson Fury was King Hippo in that ring, and I was crying thinking about it. I could not stop laughing. Uh, but they got into this ring, and the fight gets started, right? And you can tell they got bad luck because they don't like each other, and they're always talking trash, you know, in the pre-fights and yada, yada, yada. And um, they get into the ring, and the fight gets started up, right? First, second, third round. Yo, Wilder won first, second, third round. It was. I mean, no, 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 hold up. First, second, third round. Third round, uh, Wilder gets knocked down. Fourth round, Fury gets knocked down. Fifth round, Fury gets knocked down two more times. So after the fifth, Wilder is running away with this thing. Sixth, seventh, Fury comes back, knocks Wilder down again. Now we're tied up, right? And from about the third round on, and... And this fight went to 11 rounds, okay? Went 11 rounds. They were battling back and forth. But I got to tell you, man, from the third round on, Wilder's legs looked like they wanted to go home. They wanted to go home. He looked like he was out there on stilts, Kevin. He looked like he was fighting on stilts from round three all the way to 11. And I got to say, man, respect. I can only respect a dude who lasted that long because he ended up getting knocked out in the 11th and it was over. But that dude stayed up there on them young, wobbly knees looking like Bambi. <laughs> he looked like Bambi coming out the womb, right? He was up there on them wobbly legs for 11 rounds taking shots and these dudes went back and forth, back and forth. And at the end of the day, Tyson Fury is just a better boxer. Like, Wilder is going to, if he could catch you with that right hand because he's got a He's got a boulder in his shoulder, right? That dude catches you with that right hand. He's going to put you out. But that's all he's got. And so he's fighting against Fury. And I'm telling you, 10 times out of 10 times that they fight, Fury would beat him 10 times. Because Fury can take all his punches, but Fury knows how to box. Fury can jab. Fury gets you into the ring. Fury maneuvers you. He, he moves around. For a dude that, that, for King, that dude moves around, as big as he is, he moves around like he's, like he's a smaller dude. And there's no shame in it. Like, I mean, at, some of the, at, at some point, you just have to just tip your hat to a dude and say, yo, he's just better than me. And people can talk about, well, I don't have any respect for Wilder because he, you know, he wouldn't shake his hand after the fight. Man, you don't got to have respect for a dude just because he's not nice. Like, he doesn't have to be nice. He's got his ass whooped. What do you expect him to do? He's been getting his ass whooped by this dude for three straight fights. I don't, I don't, I don't think I like anybody that whooped my ass three times. So why am I supposed to be nice to this guy? But you got to respect that that dude fought his heart out, stayed in that ring, and did not quit because he could have gave up earlier. Like when his knees started shaking like Elvis, he could have gave up earlier. But he stayed in there and fought and got beat down. 
respect to that dude, man. Now, I do not want to see a fourth fight because why? <laughs> we already know what's going to happen. We know the outcome. Move on. Let's see something different. And I, I grew some uh, some love for Tyson Fury because I've never really paid attention to him. I've seen him do some interviews on like SportsCenter and First Take and whatnot. And he always seemed like a cool dude. But one of my best friends, Alex, was saying that Tyson Fury is his favorite fighter of all time. And I was like, hold up, all time? Like, what are you talking about? Roy Jones Jr., you know, Muhammad Ali? Uh, he said he's his favorite fighter of all time because of his story, what he's went through, and then how he's just a cool dude and he's funny. And so I started seeing some of that over this weekend. And then after the fight, the dude gets in the ring. After, the, after he, he wins, he gets to the ring and he's talking about, you know, how he, he hopes that Wilder's heart gets better and God this and God that. And then he starts singing a damn song and <laughs> leads the whole crowd in the song. And then he shows up uh, in Vegas with Steve Aoki. And he's raging with Steve Aoki in the DJ booth, jumping after he just got into a fight like it was nothing to him. So he just gained a fan in me. I like the dude now. You know what I mean? I'm usually rooting for everybody that's black, but Tyson Fury, he got, he got, he got some uh, goodwill with me. I like this cat. Good fight. Don't want to see it again. But I want to see who they fight next, though. Uh, Fury would be dope. I don't, I don't, you know, Anthony Joshua, that's, that ship sailed with anybody trying to fight him. Nobody cares anymore. Um, I don't want to see, but I would want to see Wilder Joshua. I could actually watch that. I just hope that the heavyweight uh, class just keeps coming back. I, I just love heavyweight fights, man. It was a, I grew up watching them. Uh, it's just something special about it. So kudos to this fight. I think it's one of the greatest I've seen in a long time. But um, I hope there's more to come. Let's see. Back after the break. So another game that happened over the weekend was uh, the Las Vegas Raiders lost to the Chicago Bears, who have, uh, you know, my favorite young quarterback in Justin Fields' uh, quarterback in them. They lost this game, I believe it was 20-9, to nine, uh, final score. But I watched the game, Kevin, and uh, the Raiders played very lackluster football. They, were, they, were, they came into the game 3-1 and one and just looked not like a good team. And part of that uh, can be attributed to their head coach, John Gruden, who – has been embroiled in a little bit of a scandal that happened this weekend, right? On Friday, the Wall Street Journal posted a report that uh, leaked an email between John Gruden and then head of player personnel uh, Bruce Allen with the Washington football team, right? Just He's the second in command under uh, Daniel Snyder. Uh, there was an email exchange between the two men, uh, Gruden and Allen, in 2011, where John Gruden starts by spelling Demoris Smith's name wrong. Uh, he doesn't spell it Demoris the way it's actually spelled, which is D-E-M-A-U-R-I-C-E. He spells it D-U-M-B-O-R-I-S-S, Demoris Smith. And then he continues with, has the lips the size of Michelin tires. That's what he said about Demoris Smith, who is the head of the NFL Players Association. And just to mention, in case people don't know, Demoris Smith is black. John Gruden, when asked about this uh, by the Wall Street Journal, said that he can't specifically recall writing the email, but apologized for using that language. Said he's really sorry. Um, Gruden said that the reason he wrote the email is because he was angry at the time because of the lockout and didn't trust the direction the players being led by Smith were going in the negotiations. Now, let me repeat this to you. This was 2011. John Gruden, not a coach in the NFL. John Gruden is the head of Monday Night Football at ESPN in 2011. Why the hell is he angry about 
the players and the players, the direction they're going in, in negotiations with the NFL, which he no longer is working in. That's, that, that's one, right? Then Gruden said as an excuse for why he might've said DeMora Smith had uh, lips the size of Michelin tires. It wasn't a racist thing, he said. It was because in the past, he referred to people he believes to be lying as rubber lips, and he took it too far with that statement. Really? Really? So you apologized, and then you made an excuse for the racist remark, and the excuse is that you call everybody rubber lips but you didn't call demora smith rubber lips you said demora smith has lips the size of michelin tires now anybody who's lived in america or anywhere in the world has known that that is a racial trope that's been used against black people forever big lips if you want to if you want to go ahead and google black people big lips you'll see imagery that has been in black people's faces forever it's a racial trope that people use when they want to disparage somebody of black color or African descent. It's something that people have done. It's a racist term that's been used forever. Everybody knows that. And for John Gruden to be, let, let's, let's go into the timeline of this here, okay? So this is 2011. Before that, John Gruden had already been the head of the, uh, the Oakland Raiders. He was the, the head coach of a billion-dollar organization. Then he was the head coach of another billion-dollar organization with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's two times he's been in control of billion-dollar organizations that employ 70% people who look like the people that John Gruden was just disparaging. He's making money off the very people he's calling people who have lips the size of Michelin tires. But he's not racist. He, he made it clear to us, I don't have a racist bone in my body. What are you talking about, dog? Race is, racist is racist. There ain't no such thing as little racism, a kind of racist. No, if you say something racist, that's racist. And, and, and people are trying to make uh, excuses for him saying, well, this happened 10 years ago and I, I don't want to see people getting you know, in trouble for things that happened to them 10 years ago. Now, that would be something I might agree with if John Gruden was 10, 10 years ago. But John Gruden wasn't 10, 10 years ago. John Gruden wasn't even 20, 10 years ago. He wasn't even 30, 10 years ago. He was 48. John Gruden knows better. John Gruden knows better than to be sending racist remarks to another executive in the NFL like this. He knows better, but you know what? He didn't care. He didn't care because he didn't think that this was ever going to get out because this is how John Gruden talks. I'm going to tell you, if, there's, if, if this is the one email that's ever come out where he's using a racist remark about somebody, you mean to tell me you think this is the only time he's ever done something like this? Hell no. This ain't the first time. This is just the first time you got caught. And he got caught. He got, he's out it now. The real John Gruden has finally showed up in front of people. And you get these players. I mean, after the game, Josh Jacobs, who's his third year with, uh, with the Raiders, came out. And you can tell he's talking all confused and like, well, I've been here three years. And I've never seen anything like that. And, you know, but he did say this. And I don't know, you know. 
and and after the game, you know, you get these players, and, and Josh Jacobs um, it comes out, and he's been with the Raiders for three years, and he says, in three years, I've never seen, you know, he's he's been good with me, and I've never seen anything like this, and um, you know, but he did say what he said, and you know, I don't know, I I just think, you know, it's in the past, and it was ten years ago. And then you get Tim Brown saying, John Gruden is not a racist. And you got Mike Tirico on the uh, the Sunday night NFL game saying, I, I work with him. He was He's never anything like that. Like, like Mike Tirico is the black voice that we have to listen to as the voice of who gets to decide who's a racist or who isn't. But then you had other players like Randy Moss, who, ba- who visibly broke down when he was talking on the, the Sunday morning NFL set talking about how disappointed he was and how hurt he was. And then I watched him today on Monday Night Football's telecast, and he's talking about how hurt he is because he put himself in that locker room. And that's the first thing I went to is thinking about that, of being a player in this locker room. We just went through a whole summer, a whole year, where there was racial tension, things going on that had come to a head in America, civil unrest because of you know, just explosions around the country of people fighting against racism and perceived racism and just wanting change in this country. Out of that came a huge swath of Black Lives Matter movements and racism movements. All these companies, corporations, putting all plastering this all over their their uh, their workspace, their websites, their emails, their their letters they send out, their memos, all this stuff. Hell, the NFL, the Las Vegas Raiders have. Black Lives Matter, in racism, in their end zones. But now every player on that team, black, not even, don't got to be black. Every coach, black, don't got to be black, has to wonder, does John Gruden look at that and think, man, this is so dumb. Those Michelin lip dudes, who cares? Because that's what I'll be thinking. How could you not? And then, and, and, and this also gets to how we think that these players, how we treat these players. Because I hear so many people responding to this and saying, oh man, it was just a joke. Well, if it was just a joke, how come Demora Smith wasn't in on the joke? Right? If it's, Kevin, I'm confident in telling you that if I've ever joked or said anything disparaging about white people, I've said it to white people's face. Okay. If I've ever said anything to my white friends or I've made, made jokes about my white friends, it was to my white friends in front of their face. I'm not going to say anything disparaging about people in the email that I wouldn't say to their face. I just don't get down like that. And if I did, then it'd be ra- you'd be right to call me a racist. So what happens here is people start to make excuses for this. And we act like these players aren't human. We, this is how we treat we treat the players like they're not human. Like these guys, and, and you can see this in this game. It was a direct reflection of what's going on with John Gruden and people just not being hundred percent there. Like people should be. Well, they're dropping. You saw Darren Waller dropped a wide open ball. You seen a dude drop this dude Edwards dropped a wide open touchdown. And then when they do that. You have to look and wonder what's going to happen when they come to that sideline. Is John Gruden going to be jumping up in their face? Hey, man, you got to be better. Well, yo, if I got to be better, why ain't you got to be better? Because that's what I'd be thinking. I'd be wondering how this dude feels about me every step of the way. You could just go through and go through John Gruden's you know, history. Like, there's no one thing that says John Gruden was you know I'm not trying to say that I don't know anything about John Gruden being a racist before this or anything like that but he don't get the benefit of the doubt from me 
Because I don't know John Gruden. All I know is that John Gruden sent a racist email. That's what I know now. I have to go from that. I can't go from, well, I've never seen anything because I don't know him. So anybody that says, well, we've never seen anything before, you don't know them, dog. Keyshawn Johnson went off on John Gruden. Said that dude is not a good person. I've known him for years. He's terrible. But I was the bad guy. I was the bad guy when I was calling him out back in the day when I was playing. But now you're seeing it. And what's the NFL going to do? Right? Like, what are they going to do? Because, <clears throat> and what's the NFL going to do? What are they going to do? Because you can't say, well, he wasn't working here at the time. Yo, people get fired from all kinds of jobs when they show up at the new job, when they found out at the old job, they was doing something wrong. It happens, B. So what are they going to do? Because they're just a report now that they're saying there's more emails that the NFL just sent to the Raiders where John Gruden is talking about a bunch of stuff. And you want to tell me you don't think that there's more racist or foul language in any of those other emails that the NFL sent to the Raiders? I guarantee you they are. So what is Mark Davis going to do? Right? What's Mark Davis going to do? Because, because he's on the clock. The NFL has sent more emails to the Raiders from John Gruden. And you want to tell me that none of those emails are going to have anything racist or foul intent on them? Of course they are. So what's Mark Davis going to do? You can't have Black Lives Matter and racism on your end zone when you got a coach on the sideline who don't care about that or thinks it's stupid, or you have to wonder if he thinks it's stupid or if he does care about it. If when I drop a ball, is he sitting there thinking to himself, oh, that big lip idiot. How are you going to win like that? You can't. And I hate that people try to leave it up to the players to make the decision. Man, these players don't got no, they don't got no power. And this only power they have is everybody decides we ain't going to play this game. But then you get guys like Derek Carr who came out after the game and he's like, well, coach said, you know, he said he was sorry and he's not racist. And dude, you don't get to decide that. You don't get to decide that. And then you have to wonder where Derek Carr's head is at because We've all we've heard is reports that John Gruden really never wanted Derek Carr as his quarterback. So Derek Carr's trying to get a payday and make sure he gets to stay with the Raiders and, and he grades Gruden's favor. But so, at some point, people have to stand up and say what the hell it is. And I've been watching all these shows and all these morning shows and seeing who's talking, who's saying what, who's standing up, and who is speaking out about it. Because that's the only way we make change, when people stand up and say what they believe and fight for something that they believe in. It happened on a Friday, so we had to wait all weekend for the Monday shows and people to really talk about it. Hell, we had that Sunday show, though. We had the Sunday football shows where we got to see Randy Moss and, and people really stand up and say something. But then you get the Sunday night game where you get Tony Dungy, who John Gruden replaced at Tampa Bay, and, and John Gruden won his Super Bowl with Tony Dungy's players. Don't forget that. John Gruden won a Super Bowl in this NFL the year after Tony Dungy got fired from the Buccaneers after going 9-7 and seven with an all-world defense. I wanted to see how people were going to react to this this weekend and this Monday. And kudos, man, to Undisputed. Even though I can't stand Skip Bayless because he's a LeBron hater, I love Shannon Sharp, but that show, this morning, the first topic in their A block was John Gruden. I'm watching First Take with Stephen Smith and Michael Irvin. That was like the fourth thing on their list. I'm watching Pardon the Interruption today with Will Bond and Kornheiser. That's the, the third thing on their list. 
man, the media and people got to just start calling people out for what it is. Kevin, I'm in a group chat with a bunch of my friends, and I know I drive them crazy because I don't let anybody say nonsense without calling them out. I know it's supposed to be fun. We're supposed to be having a good time and yada, yada. And I'm good with having a good time and, and cracking jokes and doing this and that. But we got to hold people accountable, man. And when people start saying stupid things or spreading wrong information or saying dumb stuff that I know better, I'm going to help them be better. And that's what we got to do as a society and as media and anything. When you see it, call it out. Everybody should be calling this dude out for that. 10 years ago, I don't care. He was 48 years old. That's that man's point of view. Call him out. Don't leave it for the players to have to do it, who have to get a paycheck and have to worry about what's going to be the, the ramifications for them. Because we've already seen one dude stand up for something that everybody didn't think was the status quo thing to do, and he ain't been in the league since. So don't leave it to the players. You do it. You stand up. You say something. You take a stance got a buddy of mine who's always talking about my podcast and man make sure you don't say the wrong thing on your podcast dog let me tell you something nobody listens to a podcast and thank you to everybody who does listen all around the world all around the country all around the, the globe i appreciate it nobody wants to tune into a podcast where the guy is saying everything correct every cookie cutter thing possible why do i want to listen to that i want to listen to somebody's take on things but you know why I'll never get in trouble or, or, or have a problem with offending somebody about anything? Because I can say things that we can plausibly argue about. I can say, I hate guns. I can say, I want to defund the police. And we can argue about whether or not I'm right about that and whether we should do it. But we can't argue about whether or not you think black dudes have big ass lips. We can't argue about that. You've already said it in the stone. There's no arguing. You have an agenda there. I can't, I'm, what am I going to do? Sway your opinion. Hey, man, don't be talking about black people's lips like that. Th that ship has sailed. You are who you are. That's what you believe. So don't go on podcasts and say dumb stuff and you'll be fine. Don't go on podcasts and be a, a, a racist. Don't go on podcasts and be a, a you know, a, a, a homophobe. Don't be a bad person and you'll be okay. Kevin, we were talking earlier and you said you've never been in a fight in your life. Probably because you're just a good person. Very neutral. That's it. It's, it. Be a good person. And that's what we need to hold John Gruden, Gruden to. Be a good person. And clearly in 2011, he showed us that he was not. I'm Reggie Watkins. You've been listening to I'm Probably Right. Rate us, review us, subscribe, comment. Don't be hating. Thank you, Kevin Cleveland, for running the boards, engineering, producing. I appreciate you, my man. See y'all next week. Peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.